Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. My name is Julie. I remember that 23 years ago, this very week, I made my first announcement at West Hills Friends. I announced that David and I were about to celebrate our 16th anniversary. I'll let you do the math. <laughs> and speaking of math, before I get to the text of my message today, um, I have a couple preparatory prefacatory comments. Um, I want to talk a bit about science and the concept of scale. And I want to explain a bit about how I play with scripture and biblical texts. So I've got almost a longer preamble to my message than I've got the message I felt called to give you this morning. Uh, first of all, because I'm a teacher, a teacher of science, I have a multiple choice science question for you. Um, if I had a glass here in front of me and it was filled with water, would the water be A, solid, B, liquid, or C, gas? B. Now we know water's a liquid when we drink it. I want you to think at a different scale now, though. And, and David, you don't get to answer this. Uh, not, neither David in that. When you zoom in, and look a lot more closely. When you zoom into the scale of a single water molecule, do you have a solid or a liquid or a gas? If you've got one molecule, it's not a vacuum. The problem is the question makes no sense because solid, liquid, and gas are bulk phase, bulk scale properties. One molecule, I guess I would think of it as a solid. It's a little particle of something. But it's also, at that scale, not really a particle because the laws don't even apply down there. So we've got problems with how we ask questions when we zoom in to a certain scale and zoom out. So I want you to hold that idea of scale in your head. We scale up, we scale down, we zoom in for a close look, and we zoom out for larger pictures. I had a second example, but I'm going to skip that. I think there's a spiritual counterpart to this zooming in and zooming out as different as matter of scale. We are all individuals. We are made, every one of us, in the image of God. We are deeply loved individually by our Creator. But we are also individually members of a larger scale thing called, according to the Apostle Paul and some of us, the body of Christ. We each hold a different part and a different function as we are gifted and called. So Paul uses the metaphor of the body of Christ to explain how we must welcome and honor our differences and the diversity. The I 
cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The ear cannot say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? So we are together one body. And yet just as that single molecule of water determines that it will be a liquid at room temperature and pressure, the properties of the individual piece determine the bulk properties. In the same way, we together, one body, the properties of this body, of this large-scale West Hills Friends body, is determined by the individuals who show up. Then there are larger scales. West Hills decides whether it will be part of larger things. Kindling conversation today will be one of those discussions. The discussions at annual sessions will be another time for us to consider, do we have a function at a larger scale? All right, so that's one preamble, this idea of scale, and what questions make sense at what scale. The other preamble I want to talk about is the, the role of scripture in my Quaker life, and I've got yet another metaphor. I'm sorry if this is a little bit too many disparate thoughts, but when I played guitar, I could never improvise. I could never compose anything. The, what I could do is play what someone else had written. And I always had this kind of jealousy, this, this sense of, oh, I wish I had the skill of Aaron or Jim at the piano or Carla, or I wish I had uh, uh, Jill's or um, April's ability to sing. Um, I, I wanted those things, but that kind of improvisational skill was beyond me. And then last week I realized that I've been traveling with Quakers long enough that I do my improvisation with scripture. Um, hearing and blending familiar passages in new ways. Not having to be fixed in what it, it meant this at that time to those people and must mean that for all time to all people. That's, that idea is gone now. And instead I find myself with scriptures brought to mind in new and interweaving ways that are giving me some really lovely life, and yet it doesn't feel like a solo, it feels like it's a duet that I am playing with the Holy Spirit. I, I want to do that because I know a lot of us approach the Bible with some terror or fear or anger, and I kind of want to find ways to remove that terror and fear and anger, and maybe if you think of it as an improvisational duet, um, it might help. All right, about a year ago, the following text came rather suddenly to mind. And it's a really kind of obscure one, in a way, because it's in the middle of Paul's incredible description of the body of Christ and of worship and all sorts of things. And he's writing to a church that is deeply divided, deeply troubled, filled with divisions and factions. But along with this verse coming to mind also was this immediate follow-on thought of, oh, and it doesn't mean what you think it means. All right, let's see if I can find it now. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 15 through 17. Paul writes to this, this church, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you and to some extent, I believe it, no doubt there must be divisions among you so that those approved by God might be shown. I have always understood that verse when I bothered to think about it as meaning when there's a division and there are two groups, 
One will be approved by God and one won't, and that will be evident either by the fruits of the Spirit or by the result, but we'll see that. One group wrong, one group right, and that's the only way I could think about it. But I also had this message, it doesn't mean what you think it means. So I've been sitting with that for months, waiting it for me to mean something else. It would come to mind once a week, twice a month, just frequently for many months from last May or so till sometime earlier this year when I was thinking about it yet again. Well, what can it mean if it doesn't mean that? Another verse came flying in from Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So when there's a division, the ones approved by God who show up are the peacemakers. We so badly need them. That was the message for me. So how do we show up as peacemakers in our own selves? When I'm divided against myself, how does the peacemaker show up? We've had some friends talk to us. We've heard from Elijah and from a couple different Sarahs about how they've made peace with their own selves. How do we make peace between us at West Hills Friends? I'm not sure we've talked about this or that we're even aware of some of the undercurrents. But if they arise, if we see divisions among us, will the peacemakers show up? And on these larger scales, maybe we'll find a way with some kindling conversation today. But back to me. Uh, right now, my work is to say yes, to give the yes to whatever way is open for me to be a peacemaker. It might not mean what I think it means. There might be something very creative, very unusual, not the usual thing to do. I have to listen to my inward teacher and say yes when way opens. Until then, I wait. You don't have to plan ahead or struggle to figure these things out. You and I just have to say yes when way opens. And that's an inward teacher thing. <laughs>